Welcome to the Haringey Education Partnership Brief. It's Monday, the 5th of December. I'm Luke. And I'm Maya, and we're here to bring you up to date with what's happening in education. Here's what you need to know this week. The DfE published data showing that they missed their targets for primary and secondary teacher trainees by a long shot. Primary recruitment hit 93% of the target needed, which is its lowest since 2014, but secondary was where the biggest hit occurred. The number of secondary teacher trainees recruited was only 12,490, which was over 40% below the target of 20,945. Even worse, the number of secondary level ITT entrants was only 59% of the target. TES reports that three organizations have launched a joint legal challenge against the government's decision to establish Oak National Academy as a publicly funded arm's length body. The three organizations are the British Educational Suppliers Association, the Publishers Association, and the Society of Authors. Nicola Solomon, chief executive of the Society of Authors, summarized their claim. If we don't act now, educators will be left with one set of state-approved online resources, which will threaten diversity and choice, remove financial incentives, and damage the healthy competition which is at the heart of educational publishing. The DfE plans to send capacity checkers into all secondary schools to see if they have space for more pupils. Local authorities could use the results of these checks to force schools to accept more pupils, reports Schoolsweek. Government officials believe the checks would help to boost funding, which is correlated with higher numbers of pupils, and would relieve pressure on the government to build new schools to meet any rise in pupil numbers. The Guardian reports more than half of school leaders in England are seeing more pupils who cannot afford a meal at lunchtime, yet are not eligible for free school meals. A survey conducted by the Sutton Trust, an educational charity, found clear signs that the cost of living crisis was increasingly affecting young people's education, with a growing number of pupils arriving at school tired, cold, and hungry. This week's Deep Dive, Research Ed Oxford 2022. On November the 26th, HEP set off to Oxford to check out Research Ed, the conference-hosting organization that seeks to bridge the gap between research and practice in education. The event took place in University College examination halls with its vaulted ceilings and grand, spacious rooms. There were seven rooms simultaneously holding sessions throughout the day, and speakers included Kathy Rassel, Kate Jones, Tarjinder Gill, Alex Quigley, and Daisy Christodoulou, to name but a few. Luke and myself tried to distribute our time between the sessions to get an overview of what Research Ed is all about. So today we're going to talk a little bit about our experience there and what some of the key takeaways were. So the conference started off with Kathy Rassel, who did a session on learning to read, which I thought was a really powerful and clear introduction into the English language, first of all. And it also had a lot of concepts like what are phonemes and... What do elements of language look like in other languages? Which was really quite interesting. She basically superseded the the battle about how to teach phonics or how to teach uh, early reading and writing by showing how English is organized and at what levels our brains can engage with it. And one thing I really liked about it was that she related her talk to Chris Such's book, The Art and Science of Teaching and Reading, which I love. 
She also made a mention to Soul the Story, which any of our avid listeners may remember we recommended that last week. Our finger truly is on the pulse. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Um, So for the first session, uh, Maya, where did you where did you head? So I went to go and see Meg Lee speak. Um, She delivered a presentation all about growing a learning culture. Um, which was all about applying adult development research to schools, districts, and trusts. So um, she is the Director of Organizational Development for Frederick County Public Schools in the U.S., um, where she's been a teacher and a school administrator. So she was really, really experienced, and she had a really interesting kind of system view of how we can develop a culture in which, you know, you can integrate research into the classroom Her big thing was all about mind-brain education, which was new to me. Um, And she was speaking about how that's kind of combining cognitive science, psychology, neuroscience, education research, and kind of funneling that through to actual use in the classroom, because there is a gap there and you can't just expect research to fit perfectly into your context. So I will be sharing some of those papers um, with you all. (laughs) Nice. That is like way more big picture, I think, than the one I went to. Um, but it was also kind of interesting. I'm going to combine the uh, first and second sessions that I went to. The first one was uh, by Claire Stoneman, who is a head teacher. I can't remember exactly where. I think near Birmingham. And uh, she talked about epiphenomena. Yeah, <laughs> I think most people had that reaction. Um, but it was kind of interesting because it was about like school leaders paying attention to perhaps the wrong things or things that could maybe grab their attention immediately but don't get to the underlying causes of why something happens at their school. Um, so she used this example of like, staring at a piece of art for a long period of time, and that was a, an assignment. And actually what that ended up giving to the students was a better perspective on the little things they might not have noticed, um, which I thought was interesting. Um, And it relates to the next one, which was Adam Robbins, who said uh, his session was on what causes lethal mutations in education. Mm -hmm. Lethal mutations, I thought this was an extremely interesting talk, um, where it sort of talked about how these ideas come out in education and people go down the path of you know, explaining this and becoming kind of an expert, per se, in the, in that idea. And then that idea kind of becomes part of their persona, and it gets distorted. And he was talking about how that actually happens to happens a lot in education. And so one of the questions that I thought was interesting was like, why is education specifically, as opposed to, let's say, medicine, so susceptible to this happening? Mm, that sounds really fascinating. Yeah, everything good's always on at the same time. It's really frustrating. (laughs) I think at the same time you were seeing that, almost going back to your staring at a painting, Hmm. I went to see Tarjan DeGill talking about creating and implementing an evidence-based teaching and learning model of excellence with a case study in art. Hmm. My favorite topic, art, love it. Um, And it was really fascinating to see how they went about building um, an art curriculum with this like knowledge rich idea there that it can really it can be done and it can also make art way less intimidating for often primary school teachers to teach because Taja Indigo was very very open that um, art was not one of her favorite subjects to um, teach particularly when the national curriculum is 
not very detailed. Yeah. Um, you're kind of left to get on with things. And if you have never really studied art, aren't confident in it at all, how do we expect children to kind of be led down this path without being taught any of the skills? And we, you know, as a teacher, if you're teaching children kind of step by step in that way, and you have these like bits of knowledge that you're you're building on, you yourself are learning at the same time. So you can be like, okay, I can practice this before my lesson because I know we're doing cross hatching today. Um, but yeah, it was really, really fascinating. And she kind of took us through a whole seven week program that they do um, over at Outward Grange Academies Trust near Birmingham as well. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of good ideas coming out of there. Yeah, something you said about the... I guess, practicing the skills along mm -hmm. with, you know, learning how to make the curriculum work. Mm -hmm. uh, that reminded me of the the next session, which was with Alex Quigley, a visitor at our conference as yeah. well, right? Um, so it was cool to see him again. And his message, I mean, it was a very well-delivered session, but his message was quite simple, uh, which is that it's really important to understand the underlying principles of a concept in order to to teach it. And of course, yes, everyone would agree with that statement, but it was about writing specifically and how if students, especially at secondary level, don't have the foundations because they've either been skipped over by their teachers previously um, or, you know, whatever reason, then it's very difficult for them to catch up. And so therefore teachers need to have a very solid understanding of the foundations and know their pupils and where they're at so that if needed, they can get that extra targeted support and writing won't become such a nebulous and difficult subject to teach. It sounds like we both had very interesting and exciting times. <laughs> in I, Oxford. <laughs> I would say so. Yeah, it was good. I think one thing just to close out on would be to say that Research Ed, it, it is interesting in that it has that goal to bridge practice and, and uh, theory, let's say, and research. Um, but a lot of the talks that we went to, they weren't what you would academically define as research, right? Mm. It was sort of like bringing teachers together to talk about good ideas. Yeah. Yeah, I think came away very excited and inspired. And there were lots of things that you could go, we can do this in our school straight away. And some learnings of like, ah, oh, this this is a really exciting avenue to develop rather than it being completely off in an entirely academic sphere that just isn't relatable. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly, yeah. So we hope that you guys can bring some of these back to your classrooms. This week at HEP. Tuesday the 6th of December, we'll see a HEP Humanities and Science curriculum update in the morning from 11am to 11.45. Later that afternoon from 2 till 3, Heather De Silva is hosting an online safeguarding and welfare session for TAs. On Wednesday the 7th, Fran and Heather are delivering part one of Leadership of the Curriculum, starting at 2pm. Also at 2pm, we have a course for school business managers with Elizabeth Raya about preparing for an audit. Mr. Numbervator rejoins us on Thursday the 8th at 1.30pm. He'll be delivering TA maths training, so TAs get booking. All sessions are available to book on the HEP Booking Hub. This week, we've been watching Adaptive Teaching Explained on HEP Insights. We've launched a new series of blogs and videos all about getting to grips with education theory, ideas, and buzzwords. 
In this first edition, myself and Fran have a look at what adaptive teaching is and why we need it. Find it on the Insights page of HEP's website or linked in the show notes. This week, we've been listening to Playing with Blocks, the Square Root of Tree on Fresh Ed. In this episode, PhD student Michael Rumbelow takes listeners on a sonic journey to explore block play. He weaves together sounds and ideas to show the power and possibilities of play. This week, we've been reading What an Outstanding Early Years Provision Looks Like on HEP Insights. In early November, we paid a visit to the recently judged Outstanding Nursery and Children's Center, Roland Hill. We chatted with Sean McDermott all about the school's curriculum and the environment fostered there. And that's it for our Monday, 5th of December, HEP Brief. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, share on social media, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This brief has been written and produced by Maya Cardwell and Luke Kemper. Music by Shane Ivers. We'll see you next week.